I don't know if your mind likes to do this, but mine tends to make associations between uh, words and images or experiences. So last Sunday, as we heard the account of the creation of Adam and Eve and the temptation by the serpent, the snake, my mind went to a couple of experiences growing up with snakes. You know, one was a science project of sorts that I had. I mean, I caught a bull snake on the farm and brought it into school. And they had, you know, some sort of case for it or cage for it, wood on most sides except the front. And the front was glass. And so if you walk close enough, boy, he could see you and he'd just start striking out and hit himself against that glass. And then especially when you reached in with your hand to grab hold of him, of course, with a glove, he would do the same thing. But then also I, I had this recollection of an experience with my mom as we were moving irrigation pipe. So in western Kansas, if you're going to irrigate your crops, you make long furrows in the ground, deep furrows in the ground, and you lay irrigation pipe, aluminum pipe that's fit together, has little openings for each furrow, and the water goes out and waters the, the crop. Well, before you harvest it, you've got to pull up the irrigation pipe. And so it was June or so, maybe July at the latest, probably June that we were going through, and she lifts up one end of the irrigation pipe, and there's a rattlesnake. You could hear it. I can still hear, hear her, too. And she turns to run and falls. And she said, that's still a trauma for her to this day. <laughs> you know, so those images are images through which I was naturally inclined you know, to read the fall of Adam and Eve. You know, maybe you've had similar experiences, and that's how you heard that as well. I mean, several of the guys after the 7.30 Mass brought up stories of encounters with snakes. You know, but that's not the image the Israelites drew upon for the snake and Adam and Eve. You know, the greatest threat to the Israelites' covenant with God at the time of the creation narrative kind of took its final form. The greatest threat to their covenant at that time came through fertility cults conducted by neighboring tribes or peoples. I mean, these sexually lewd and promiscuous cults use the image of a snake as their symbol. So again, they were the greatest threat at that time to the Israelites' covenant with God, tempting them away from him. Leave that strange God aside with all his laws and limitations. Here's something that we offer you. Take the forbidden fruit It'll be sweet, and your eyes will be opened, and then, then you'll see and be well pleased. Makes so much more sense, doesn't it, than a mean reptile who speaks. Now, recall how that temptation came. Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? Did he really? That's hard to believe. I can't believe you do that. It wasn't a temptation to outright rejection, to atheism. That's not how he begins, no. But it was a temptation to suspicion. Maybe God doesn't really care for me. Maybe he can't be trusted. Maybe life would be better without his restrictions. 
You know, it's at this point that resentment enters in at God's demands. I mean, they appear as arbitrary obligations, stifling our freedom. And if they're carried through, it's with bitterness or apathy, which is where a significant segment of Christians are today, kind of stuck at that spiritual maturity level of maybe a rebellious teen who resents being asked or required to do anything here she doesn't want to. Right? My parents are against me. God's against me. This is stupid. I just want to be free. I mean, you know, and teens, I'm not picking on you for I did the same thing, if you are one. But you know what that does to the environment of the home. You know how it facilitates foments, rather, discord and disharmony. And you can read the work that you have left to do on kind of the faces and the attitude of the kids when they do that. But so, too, is the same thing with our spiritual attitude. If I'm here and I'm not participating and I just really communicate, I don't want to be around doing this, it suggests I have work to do. That relationship has been compromised. And when the relationship with God is compromised, well, discord and disorder emerge, which is imaginatively captured in the loss of Eden's garden. And we're kind of thinking about gardens now at this time of year. What's a garden? A garden is a place where there's order, where there's harmony, where there's beauty and peace. So the expulsion of Adam and Eve suggests there's great disharmony between me and God, God and us, me and creation, and me and the others here. So if suspicion of God and misused freedom rankled relationships with him, with others, with herself, with creation, paradise lost, into which all humans are born, also known as original sin, then the way back to paradise must tread the path of righting these relationships that have gone wrong. This is what we heard take shape in the call of Abraham. That's where the story picks up today. Leave all that you know, all that is familiar to you, all that seems necessary, and trust me. Become the father of renewed humanity, God was saying to him. And Abraham went as the Lord directed him. He's saying to us, God can be trusted. He wants our good. We're made to be with him. And our freedom finds fulfillment with such a decision. Now, this was captured marvelously in that entrance antiphon. How is it put? Something like, my heart seeks the face of God. Written to the fabric of my being is an identification with him. I can only find satisfaction with him. Lord, don't turn your face from me. In the midst of what did we hear? Enemies, warring factions of snakes. I trust in you. Of course, the writing of relationships came to fulfillment in Jesus Christ, in whom God and man and all creation were reconciled. And remember that Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose from the dead in a garden. There was reconciliation that has happened there. And in today's gospel, how was he referred to by that mysterious voice from above? As son 
a relational term, and a beloved son. It speaks to a reciprocal relationship of love that occurs within the context of Moses, who is the sign of the law, and the prophets who called people back to fidelity to the covenant. Look, God is not out to reduce your life, but in that spectacular light that's shown through Jesus Christ, it witness here's where fulfillment is found. Friends, beware the snakes that would lure you away from your relationship with God. I mean, you know what they are much more than I do. Beware of those temptations that would pull you away from him. Selfishness, anger, aggressiveness, apathy, maybe the sensuality that also was the case with the Israelites. Beware of the snakes. You know what they are, and you know how to overcome them. Behold, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. 